The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hoopball Lakers fam, we are back with another very, very special treat for you as I'm watching James Worthy light his preseason championship cigar. Lakers basketball is back, and I am stoked to be joined by a very special guest, Alex Regla. On Twitter, Alex M. Regla, the author of the Throwdown Substack Lakers newsletter. You've seen him on Silver Screen and Roll. You've seen him at Bleacher Report. You've seen him at the B-Ball Index. You've even seen him on KCET here in SoCal. Alex a local legend in the Lakers Twitter sphere. Thanks for jumping on. How the hell are you, man? Oh, man. That's super kind of you. Uh, I'm doing well, man. Like, I just literally saw the James uh, Worthy thing, too, and that was hilarious. Oh, I, that's my, my favorite part of any good Lakers pregame show is the James Worthy homerism. Uh, as somebody who had the fortune of going to school just outside of Boston, I've watched a fair number of Celtics games. And rest in peace to uh, Tom Heinsohn, the great Celtics legend. But Tommy Point, I he sort of indoctrinated me in the field of homerism because uh, there's something special about it when it's the team that you're rooting for. And James Worthy is the definition of a homer. As a former Laker, I feel like he's entitled to that role, much like Mr. Heinsohn with the Celtics. So we embrace it. We're here to celebrate the return of Lakers basketball. It feels like the season that never ended. And as Alex and I were just talking about before we started taping, that's just fine since it is the Lakers who sit atop the NBA as the champions Alex, I always like to start when we have a guest on, talk a little bit about your work and sort of how you came into the position of being somebody who follows the Lakers, has a beat on the team, and dedicates time to crafting all about the purple and gold. Yeah, like I've been a fan of the Lakers pretty much all my life. Um, I'm almost 30. I turned 30 in September, so basically since I was, I don't know, seven or eight, so almost 22 years watching the Lakers and um, yeah, I remember all the KCAL 9 days, the Fox Sports days, the move over to Spectrum. Literally, all that stuff is just kind of burnt into my head. And uh, I've always been a fan. And I've always kind of dreamt about covering the team or just writing about the team or being close to a basketball team. And 
um, like we were talking a little bit off air, I don't, I got into the education end of the spectrum in terms of like actual career. Like I work in school districts, stuff like that. But I was lucky enough, um, Silver Screen Enroll actually sent out a kind of a bulletin that they're hiring. And I didn't have any experience. Like I, I wrote a few blog posts um, from a site a guy made on Reddit, Lakers Reddit. And I just like, I need to get a portfolio started. So I did it there. And I applied to Silver Screen Enroll. And I got lucky. And then from there, I got a few freelancing jobs. And now I'm doing this newsletter. So. It's all just luck, I think, in this business. And if you do good enough work, you'll get noticed by the right people. I think there's something to be said also. And we talked, you know, when JC and I previously, we had Harrison Fagan on as a guest. And one of the things that we talked about with him was not being afraid of just sort of taking advantage of the opportunity, right? Like before I graduated from college, my final year, the last semester, I reached out to uh, a colleague or a former colleague at the time. And I said, hey, I read your site every day. I'm in school. I'm studying sport management. I'm great with communications. I'm a, I'm a pretty strong writer. What do you guys do to give people chances? Is there ever an opportunity? And sure enough, he emailed me back and said, hey, why don't you send me some stuff and I'll take a look. And lo and behold, that's how I got my start. So I always tell my students, the only thing that changes in life is when people give you a yes, right? When somebody tells you a no, that's fine because your life is exactly the same as it was otherwise. There's not really a downside. But if you're afraid to take that chance, then you never know what could be. And I think that's such an important skill, that self-advocacy to go out and seek what we want out of life, right? Absolutely. And I think that's something I'm still learning. That's something I still have to work on. And I have, you know, I've sent out pitches um, to a bunch of different sites that I see that are accepting pitches. And yeah, you get turned down. And sometimes you don't get turned down. Um, but like my, I got to do a KCET uh, piece after, you know, after Kobe passed. And that was uh, like monumental for me. Like I, I love KCET and I love, I loved Kobe. So that all that basically was through connections and through trying and like you said, self-advocating for yourself and putting out quality work that even if you think no one's noticing or you don't think someone's paying attention to the stuff you're doing, most likely like most likely or not they are, or you can always show them that in a portfolio or something. And that, I, like I said, just do the hard work now and eventually hopefully it'll pay off. Speaking of which, that is such a great lesson for everybody and a natural tie-in to where I want to start with our Lakers this evening because speaking of putting in the work, sir, as you know, given the the – I don't even know how to describe this piece on Taylor Horton Tucker, the the epitaph, the the incredible development of who he is. And I know it's a, it's a little bit dated, right? It's from January. But at the same time, this is a guy who last year, everybody said, oh, this guy could be kind of interesting. Now this year, his shot has changed. His confidence is way up. His body is way up. His hands are the size of Kawhi Leonard's, for crying out loud. And am I crazy, or can Taylor Horton Tucker assume a role in this rotation? I mean, it, yeah, it's crazy how much things can change in one year, right? Like, uh, I think THT's place on this team it's always been something that's really interesting. That's something I really wanted to kind of hit on in that piece you mentioned because he was only a teenager as recently as like November. He just turned 20. Um, he's going to be potentially a role, like actual rotation type guy this year, given not only the season, how quick the turnaround was from them winning the finals to now suddenly playing again, like we were just talking about. And there's potentially times where guys like LeBron, guys like AD, 
Um, Marcus all might get days off and a guy like THT might be asked to play 10, 15 minutes a night. And it's going to be really interesting to see how impacted he is that way, how much he can step up to the plate. Cause we saw in the bubble, he got a few chances and he did pretty well. That's you, you took right. What I was going to say right out of my mouth is that, you know, we were all kind of stunned, not even surprised, but stunned when Taylor Horton Tucker found his way into the rotation. I mean, I was surprised when I saw J.R. Smith or Dion Waiters out there, but I was stunned when I saw Taylor Horton Tucker. And what I was really just absolutely pleased by is that the moment wasn't bigger than he was. He played with confidence. He played like he, he deserved to be out there and he was effective in the role. And this is the type of player who the Lakers could really benefit from having on their roster. And I don't think that the rest of the league is just sort of waiting to see what happens. I think the rest of the league has some intrigue with Taylor Horton Tucker as well. And given his contract is set to expire at the end of this season, which is crazy again that we're already in a new season, I think the Lakers got to find out kind of what they have. Now, obviously, the Lakers are going to be playing for a championship again understandably the depth on their roster has improved from what it was last year at least on paper but I think Taylor Horton Tucker can play a role in this team I'm not saying he's going to play 25 30 minutes a night but can he play 15 to 18 minutes a night I mean my hot take boldest prediction to start the year because I always like to start a little bit out there before I rein it in is that Taylor Horton Tucker might play more minutes on some nights than Kyle Kuzma is that too hot for you oh wow um it's pretty sizzling I will admit it's actually not like if you think about like positionally, right? Like I know position is positional NBA. No one really plays a position anymore. But Kyle Kuzma's best kind of positions are at the four, the three, and they have guys like AD, guys like Keith, guys like Trez. Uh, they have enough bo- guys like LeBron. Obviously, they have enough bodies there where Kuz um, could could get like a little position jam or not, and they do it need additional guards, right? So THT could potentially get some more minutes on a night. But, I mean, that that's pretty... I, I haven't thought about that. But I, I, I guess it just goes to show you that THC does have a chance to crack the rotation. I thought you brought up a really good point earlier is, like, his contract's going to be due up pretty soon. Eventually, they're going to have to figure out if this is a guy they want to commit to long-term. Because this team is, like you said, it's like, win now. They have that championship window still in place. I know AD and LeBron resigned, but... That's what they're playing for. They're playing for championships, and they're not really in the developmental game anymore. But THT is like a 20-year-old still on this roster trying to find his way in the league. They have to figure out if he's the guy that's going to be part of their team for long term. There's no doubt about it. And although the Lakers' first preseason game won't feature what we all assume to be the majority of their starting lineup... It will feature some interesting players, including Taylor Horton Tucker, who's found his way into that starting lineup. So I am going to be very excited to see what transpires in that regard. Alex, I have a question for you that I've asked Harrison. I've asked Trevor. Now it's your turn to answer. Obviously, this Lakers offseason has been filled with A-plus moves across the board. I mean, it's really hard to complain about anything this Lakers team did. Rob Palinka, huge shout out to you for the 100th time in a row. What was the most surprising and or enjoyable offseason move by the Lakers from your perspective? So I would say I have two answers. So surprising, I'd probably go with Trez. I, I, I don't think anyone expected that or had him on the Lakers radar based on um, obviously the Clippers ties. But also I thought he was going to get more money in free agency. Like As, did I. Were, As did yeah. I. As did I. I thought the rumors were like he was looking for something like 15 to 20 million a year. So I was surprised he took something as low as nine and took the mid-level exception from the Lakers. So that was surprising. Um, 
But in terms of like my favorite move, I think it's Marcus All. And I kind of wrote something about how I think he's kind of like the connective tissue of this team because his kind of presence on this lineup and on this roster kind of connects every every single personnel. It's like Trez can now either come off the bench in a position where he's done really well in as a six man, and he could also have Gasol or AD next to him in almost any part of the game to help protect him in in lineups where he doesn't have to face a Jokic or an Embiid. And that's kind of how he was exposed a little bit in the playoffs. Although there's kind of like differing opinions on that. But basically now having a guy like Gasol can kind of protect him a bit. And you have a guy like Gasol in the starting lineup where it allows AD to kind of be more in the paint. He does have to play the spacer role in lineups like he had to with McGee and Dwight Howard because they weren't shooting threats. And for a guy like LeBron, you have a guy like Gasol who can finally play make, can space the floor, pick and pop. He can do all these things that weren't really there for the Lakers last year. So I think he's a guy I'm really excited to watch. I feel like, first of all, I'm in total agreement with you regarding Montrez. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think exactly what happened with Dwight Howard was that the Lakers had a soft agreement with him. They never expected to be in on Trez. And while Rich Paul was talking AD and LeBron, he said, oh, by the way, Trez might be available for the mid-level. And uh, would you have interest? And Rob Palenka said, what? Of course we would. And that's kind of how that came together. My best friend is a Clippers fan. We went through this whole thought exercise for you know several months of, is Trez 4 and 6? million and do you want the Clippers yeah. to resign him at that number etc cetera, etc cetera. so for him to come on 2 and 19 now I think for me that that addition in terms of exterior players from last season's roster was the most surprising but if I had to really sit here and say the most surprising I would say obviously the LeBron extension I don't think anyone saw that but in terms of an exterior addition I would agree with Trez and I and I'm so glad that you brought up Marcus All because I think so many people right Again, a player the Lakers weren't really expected to be in on necessarily. And, oh, my God, we can might have Marcus All for the minimum. And then all of a sudden we say, oh, Marcus All, can he still play? He looked a little slow. But you know what? He's actually still a very capable player. He's a better defender than some of the numbers showed out. He's a very smart player. And, again, my opinion, he's the second best passer on the Lakers behind LeBron. Yeah, definitely. Like he just basically adds an ingredient to the roster that wasn't there last year. Like you said, between the playmaking, uh, between the perimeter shooting. Like if we just compare him to a guy like McGee in the starting lineup, he just does so many other things that they didn't have. They just simply didn't have anyone on the roster. I think that's why there was always intrigue with a guy like Demarcus Cousins. I think this team has always wanted a center who can space the floor, who can play make, and it just allows LeBron to kind of take a break in the half court, right? Like he doesn't have to literally do every single thing. He can pick and pop with Gasol, and Gasol can make the secondary read. He can find the cutter on the baseline. He could find, like, a high-low action. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, Pal Gasol and Andrew Bynum had this great Of course. Yeah, they had this great little relationship where each other, they can just find each other high-low almost every game. So I can definitely see something like that um, with AD and, and Gasol. Although Gasol is a little more glued to the cement right he can't really jump anymore and stuff like that but i'm just excited to see how he kind of is the glue between lebron and ad and the rest of these guys i think marcus saul and i have a comparable vertical jump at this point which is about (laughs) three and a half inches off the ground he just happens to be seven feet tall i don't even hit six feet on a good day so you know that's the difference between our nba trajectories but we do share a birthday so shout out to marcus saul for that one 
and I'm glad that he's now a Laker. And I sit here and I'm watching the preseason, the pre, first preseason pregame show of the Lakers season. And I'm looking at the departures and I look at the additions and I say, well, I'd rather the Lakers have Marcus Saul and Montrez Harold and Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. I'll take Wesley Matthews at Danny Green, especially at 20% of the price, 100 days out of 100. Avery Bradley's departure, I mean, he's a guy who a lot of Lakers fans really haven't thought too much about, especially because he didn't participate in the bubble. I was a little bummed to see him leave for basically what would have amounted to the same money with the Lakers. That said, I can understand it because of the role that he might have in Miami. He wouldn't have in L.A. And as far as the point guard position is concerned, I, I look. Rajon Rondo had a great run in the finals. He was wonderful in the bubble for the most part. And I think there's an element of leadership that you can't overlook, right? Because I don't think LeBron is going to listen to Dennis Schroeder when Schroeder tells him that he messed up. But I think he did listen to Rajon Rondo. But from a talent perspective, I'd rather have Dennis Schroeder than Rajon Rondo. And when you can look up and down this Lakers roster, which was obviously good enough to win the title, I don't, I can't say last year, uh, a couple months ago, basically, and now returning with an upgraded roster, up and down I mean how often can we say on championship teams right save for like KD going to the Warriors that wow this team somehow got better and it got younger while coming back to defend the throne I I think that last point you hit it wasn't just that they got better it was that they got younger too right like that's really hard to do in terms of like a front office like um, I'm not sure how much you follow baseball I think you do follow a lot of baseball don't you oh quite a bit Okay, so, like, comparing, like, what Adjusher Friedman did with the Dodgers, right? Like, his main objectives every offseason is to get better and to kind of create this flexibility. I think he loves that word, flexibility, and kind of long-term kind of roster building through the minor league system, the farm system, and all that type of stuff. And I think Rob Palenka had his first kind of, like, Andrew Friedman offseason where he not only got better in the short term, but he added these contracts. Like, Montrezl Harrell at 2-19 and 19 becomes an asset, right? Essentially, like, if it doesn't work out with him, like, and at this price, it probably will, just given what he was going to go for. And you have a guy like Dennis Schroeder who's going to now be part of this new little young core with AD going forward. That was something they really didn't have going into this season uh, until the moves they just made. So all of a sudden, you have this little core of THT, Caruso, Kuzma, Schroeder, Trez, and AD for when after, you know, LeBron might retire, who knows if Bronny comes or whatever the end game is there. Um, you're already seeing the kind of the seeds that Rob's planting in terms of where he wants this roster to go. And it's, it was really cool to see him kind of like this chess game he was playing in terms of the signings and how everything fits in now and going forward. I think Rob has a much better vision for this team and its future than a lot of people still give him credit for, although I feel like that reputation is mostly going by the wayside now, given the successes that he's had in a short period of time. I'm curious for your take on Kyle Kuzma, because, you know, I brought him up before with a THT connection, but I want to bring it full circle. And obviously, he's also going into a contract season. When we had Harrison on the show, he said, Kyle Kuzma's looking for a lot of money. I threw out $20 million a year. Harrison said, no, probably not quite that much, but, you know, it's quite a bit. 
I have a hard time seeing how Kyle Kuzma fits into the shape of this roster as it's currently constructed. I, I just don't know. Like, the Lakers obviously need help at the three, right? And part of their motivation this offseason to get younger and to get deeper, especially in this particular year, given all the COVID-19 circumstances, is that they don't want to have to rely on LeBron and AD every night to win the games for them, right? Because there were periods of time last year, especially when, you know, God forbid neither of them were on the floor, the Lakers really struggled. Now, Kuzma should be better. I mean, he was better in the bubble. He was sort of more of a star in his own role. He committed to defense. He was very, uh, very efficient from the corner three in particular. But offensively, I'm still trying to figure out what he is. And after his rookie season, I sat here and I said to people, I said, look, I know this is an impressive rookie season, but it reminds me a little bit of Jordan Clarkson. And credit to Jordan Clarkson because he's become so much more than this. But it reminds me a little bit of Jordan Clarkson in the sense of, okay, he's put up big numbers on a bad team, but what can he do on a good team, right? And now we see this really good team with the Lakers, and I just don't know that Kyle Kuzma has another level to his game. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't know that we're all sitting here waiting to see some sort of magical or mysterious potential to be unlocked. I I don't know. Where do you fall on the Kyle Kuzma spectrum? It's tough because, like you said, like he – he probably wants to get paid, right? Like, we don't know how much that number's going to be. You threw out the $20 million uh, potential deal, and maybe that's what he thinks he's worth. And, and that could be dangerous in terms of what a player thinks he's worth and what the organization thinks he's worth, and there could be a disconnect there. And he might try to play at like outside of what his role is and try to be that $20 million player and show other teams, like, hey, I can do more than just this 3 and D type stuff that the Lakers want me to be. Because that's basically the best he looked last season was in the bubble, or at least going into the bubble and during the playoffs, where he did kind of take on this 3 and D type role where, like you mentioned, his defense got a lot better to his credit. Like you can see he put the work in. And Frank Vogel has already said, like after Danny Green left, he expects Kyle Kuzma to be one of their potential wing defenders and one of the most relied upon wing defenders. That's a huge departure from what he was as a rookie like as a rookie he was one of the worst defenders in the league probably like he was a guy like you said like jordan clarkson wants to get his own he wants to get a bucket like and that's kind of how he made his name but now on this team you have a guy like lebron you have a guy like ad really we just need you to space the floor and cut which i think he's really good at i think he if there's anything we've seen from year one to year two to year three is that when he puts his mind to it and his head's in the game, he could be a really good backdoor cutter. He could be a really good off-ball threat who doesn't really need the ball in his hands. And if that's either shooting threes or cutting to the rim off like a Gasol pass, like I think Mark Gasol potentially could be a great fit for him in a lineup. I think there is still value there in terms of what he could be next to two-star players. The matter, like the question is, does he view himself in that role? Or does he view himself as a $20 million guy deal like a $20 million guy who can score 25 points and just do all these things he wants to. So I think that's where the disconnect probably is between him, fans, and the organization. And I think there's so much that goes into it because obviously there's going to be a contract extension date. Do you foresee Kuzma and the Lakers agreeing upon a multi-year extension before this offseason, or do you see him headed to restricted free agency? <sighs> that's tough. Like, um, like I honestly, I had, I thought if, the extension didn't happen. I thought he was. I thought he might have got traded this offseason. Honestly, I, I just wasn't sure if the Lakers and him were close on it on a number. Like you said, like I was mentioning right now, there 
there could be a disconnect between what he thinks he's worth and what they think he's worth and sometime there could be bad blood in those arrangements or there's de- those deals so um I-, I mean if he's willing to maybe go a little bit closer to the i don't know 12 13 million dollar per year instead of like 18 to 20 what he probably wants and i think maybe they can make a deal but if not they might just play out the year and head to restricted free agency i just hope they don't have like a julius randall situation again where he just walks for nothing yeah. Like if you're if you're not committed to him, then just trade him, get yeah. something back for him. Yeah, um, I still uh, I still miss Julius a little bit. Sure, and it almost hurts more that he just walked, right? Like we just lost him. Totally, essentially. Totally. I'm um, I'm staring at an art piece hanging in my wall of imitating the Beatles cover. It's got Julius Ingram, Clarkson, and D'Angelo Russell walking across the crosswalk, and I'm saying, yeah, all walking a new in different teams here. So do you think like okay, so you remember Julius's year? with that Luke Walton season, right? Where he had this weird year where he was benched or where he didn't start or he only played like 10 minutes a game. But he, like the minutes he did get, he just beasted out, right? Like he got like 20 and 10 and like five assists a game, played good defense. Channeled, his, think, channeled his Jordan Hill production per minute. How is that? Yeah. Like I, do you, this is something that I'm kind of worried and interested in with Kuz. How does he approach a contract year this season, you think? That's a great question because, as you kind of alluded to, right, he is a player who has sometimes, at least in the past, gotten in his own head a little bit. My criticism of Kuz has often been when he has the ball in his hands and he's bringing it up the floor, it often feels like what's the best play for Kyle Kuzma, not necessarily what's the best play for the Lakers. I don't think he is – I don't think really anyone is, but he's certainly not on the LeBron level of seeing two moves ahead before the two moves ahead. And I think for Kuzma, he's going to do better for himself and ultimately for the team. But I think he would do better for himself by carving out a real defined role within this Lakers group, showing a couple of skills that he can be good slash elite at. Because what NBA teams are looking for is they're looking for players with an elite skill, at least one, right? Like, can you be an elite defender? Can you be an elite shooter? Can you be an elite passer? Kuzma is good at a couple things. He is not great at anything, and he is still improving in a lot of ways. Those are the kinds of guys who, if they don't come with that first-round draft tag or that name value, often find themselves kind of in between jobs more frequently than not. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen to Kyle Kuzma because I think the name reputation is very much there, and there's going to be a team that's willing to give him a chance if it's not the Lakers. But I think if he fails to buy into that role, it's going to hurt him in free agency, whether his future is with the Lakers or with any other team. That's that's a great point. And like I, what you mentioned, the whole what's he great at? Like I was thinking about it as you said that. I'm not sure. And I'm not sure where what skill of his will ever get to that point. Like early on when he was a rookie, you can maybe say, oh, maybe it's three point shooting. Maybe he could be a 40 percent three point shooter one day in the league. But then since then, he's just plummeted. Like you said, he had this weird, like crazy good efficiency from the corners this year. Like he shot like 44, 45% from the corners this year, but like 27% from above the break. So that was weird. But um, yeah, he's going to have to buy into a role, at least on this team. Uh, if he, In terms of if he, want, if he wants to be in LA, if he wants to play for a winner, or he might go the route of just wanting to get paid by a bad team and get 25 shots tonight. Like, each player has their own priorities and what they want for their career. But it's going to be up to him to see what he really wants. Like, if he wants to have this long, 
carved out role on a championship team, like he has to kind of buy in here into that three and D role potentially because I think that's what's best suited from like on this like roster specifically. No doubt. It sounds like Kyle Kuzma, future wizard, could be a phrase that we hear a lot. No, I'm just God. kidding. You know, I think a lot of people are sort of wondering about what Kyle Kuzma's production role and so much is going to be. And if you're a betting man, you got to head over to mybookie.ag because whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get get paid. It is really that simple. Make the right play. Sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use the code HOOPBALL to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks the terms are simple you put in 200 they'll match you with another hundred you put in 800 they'll match you with another 400 i don't have to sit here and do an exercise in mathematics we all get the idea mybookie.ag and use that promo code hoopball So yeah, the Kuzma the Kuzma train should be an interesting one to ride. And as we sit here and we sort of make our prediction. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and sort of things to look forward to for the upcoming season. What are some early season storylines or some early season sort of observations that you're going to be looking for? I always, you know, kind of couch that with preseason doesn't mean a whole lot unless there's something to really take away. But as the regular season gets going, what are you looking for from this Lakers team? Do you think we'll see fewer minutes from LeBron and AD? Do you think we'll try to see, you know, Frank Vogel try that more balanced approach in terms of lineup construction? I'm really curious personally about how he's going to distribute the minutes to begin the year. That's it. Like, for me, it's the rotations. I thought last year, um, a big, like, staple of Frank Vogel's coaching, like, plan or scheme was to ride the, the hot hand, right? Like, that was something he said all year. Like, oh, why did you just decide to close with this guy? Well, he, was, he had the hot hand. Like, that was just something, his way to get around these types of questions. But on this team, for, like, in this year, they have potentially four guys who can average obviously more than 15 to 20 points between LeBron, AD, Trez, and Shooter. That's just something they didn't have at all last year. And you also have a name value of, like, a Marcus Saul. Like, we talked about with Kuz is still in there. Caruso. Like, this team is pretty loaded in terms of guys who want to get the ball or get shots up. So in terms of how Vogel separate, distributes the minutes and who plays when, who starts. Like, I know Dennis Schroeder already said he wants to start. I'm not, I don't really care in terms of who starts. I think that's kind of overblown. Like at the end of the game, uh, LeBron plays with the bench. AD plays with the bench. 
Sugar's going to play with the bench. It's just, it's staggering minutes, right? Starting and closing are two different things. So I, I'm not really too concerned about that, but just how he distributes who plays with who and when. I think that's the big thing. I think one of the things that I'm going to be curious about too, not only about who finishes, but also um, what combinations specifically finish, right? I know when we had Harrison on the show, he mentioned a quote that Frank Vogel said regarding how the Marquise AD front court really won us the title. So it seems like he's leaning younger, or not younger, sorry, leaning uh, smaller. I'm curious how Trez fits into that picture. I think his struggles on defense are a little overblown, but there's definitely some positional challenges, some matchup challenges. I think of, in particular, a matchup with Denver, right? A team that offers comparable size. But for the most part, I think this Lakers group is going to do a little experimenting, especially as the season starts. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers not get out to a slow start, but maybe a slower than expected start. And and league-wide, I do think we'll see a little bit of that, right? Like you have teams that literally haven't played since March before when the season was canceled, suspended, call it whatever you want, put on pause. And I think some of these younger teams, right? Like I think of a team like Charlotte with LaMelo and Hayward and PJ Washington and some of these guys who are going to bring it every night from day one, they might get out to these hot starts and all of a sudden people are going to say, whoa, what's what's going on this year? But when it comes time for the dust to settle, we're going to be looking at a much more familiar positioning. I, I don't think the Lakers' goal is going to be getting the number one seed. I think their goal is going to be repeat as champions as it should be. But of course, they want that number one seed if it's available. Yeah, I, that's that's a great point. Like you brought up, I we talked about this on a podcast I used to do on Tuesdays for Silver Screen Roll. But we, we're talking about how important is it really even to be the number one seed this year, right? If you don't have fans, how important is home court advantage outside of travel, outside of being closer to your family? Because you're not going to have that fan advantage. You might have the rest advantage, and that that could be a big thing. That could be something definitely for an older team like the Lakers. They might want but they might not be the one seed. They might be the four seed this year. And I think it's important for fans to kind of not panic if they slow, if they have a, uh, they start slow, because like you said, they're coming off this crazy quick turnaround. Obviously you have a guy like LeBron who's older. He's going to kind of sleepwalk a little bit at the early stretches of the season. Rightfully so. Like he's not, like I said, on the older side, went through a lot in the playoffs. It's just how he kind of approaches the, the year and how he kind of prepares his body for that when it really counts. So I wouldn't be too uh, paranoid or antsy about that. But I, what I wanted to bring up was, do you think that's maybe why Rob went out and targeted guys like Shooter and Trez? Because not only are they energy guys, but they're young, right? Do you think that was part of their approach in terms of roster building? They wanted to get younger to kind of get LeBron and AD some breaks early on and kind of get them fresh for when it counts. Absolutely. And I think that the Lakers also recognize that one of the failures of previous LeBron teams, especially those teams in Cleveland, was that they were always playing for the right now. And while obviously you have to play for the right now with LeBron on the roster, more specifically what I mean by that is that it was for the right now without an eye on the future whatsoever. And that's how they wound up with really crappy rosters, not a lot of assets on it, not a lot of ways to rebuild. I mean, look, Cleveland is still struggling to try to figure out who they are, right? Got some interesting names on the roster. Do they all go together? I have no idea. Can Darius Garland and Colin Sexton be a backcourt? Can Kevin Love and Andre Drummond be a frontcourt? I mean, in a video game, maybe in reality, I don't really know what it builds you. And I think the Lakers looked at that and said, look, you know, even prior to the LeBron extension, 
we have to keep ourselves not only competitive but also sustainable right you you've heard rob talk about this and and i and i go back to the ad trade when everyone was talking about man the lakers gave up you know the 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 godfather package for anthony davis and i at the time i said look you have to give up talent to get a generational talent like you you can't just rip off a team thinking that they're going to hand you anthony davis even though he's made it very clear he wants to play for the lakers but when rob acquired ad he said look like yeah we paid a price but it's not like Anthony Davis is 35 years old. This is a guy who's just now entering his prime. So yes, this move is about the right now, but it's also about the future. I would say that Anthony Davis is the best player LeBron James has ever been called a teammate in the NBA. I think that's fair. Like we saw in the finals, AD was tremendous. All playoffs, really. He, he. I think the biggest thing for AD that we saw last year was how he elevated his game when it counts. Right, like so many stars could be fantastic in the regular season and that's really valuable like a game, like a guy like James Harden right like he is a tremendous tremendous regular season player and that's not, I'm not even trying to disrespect Harden like that that's why everybody's trying to go trade for him but it, it takes like a special type of player who not only is young like you said that's obviously a big plus but who can also elevate his game and his teammates games and be a two-way type player like AD showed he could be in the playoffs and I thought he really, really kind of showed the world. I'm like, I am this good. Like, I am worth, I am like, you should include me in every best of the league kind of like conversations. And I think that's something that's just so, so valuable for LeBron specifically at this point of his career to have a guy who can, like, he can just give the ball to or who can pick up the slack on defense, who can carry the team when he needs a break. Like, that's just so, such a gift for LeBron as he enters, like, the twilight of his career. There's no doubt about it. I think that LeBron sees Anthony Davis as, you know, obviously a friend, but also somebody who has a comparable, if not equal, work ethic in terms of what he puts into the game and how much he loves basketball. You know, I, I don't I don't understand guys who don't love what they do, right? I mean, we could talk about professional basketball players, we could talk about educators, since that's both of our things. We could talk about anything, but if you're not loving what you do, then why do you do it, right? Like there's a great TED talk that basically says people don't care what you do they care why you do it and when you start with the why right this is what simon sinek says in this ted talk when you start with the why people buy into it and he uses tivo as the example he says look we had dvr long before dvr it was called tivo but it just wasn't marketed the right way it was hey we have this product that can pause live tv and that's cool right do you want it but then when DVR came, it was about the why. It was, do you ever got to get up and pee during the, during your favorite show? Do you ever have a distraction by the kids? Does your dog run in front of the TV? What if I told you we had a product where you weren't going to miss any show? You didn't have to stay up late. It was all on demand. Is that something you'd be interested in? It's the same product, but it's about yeah. the why, not the what. And I feel like that's what really motivates LeBron, right? That's what that's what gets him is, is his why. He has this enormous driving force within himself, in part because of how he grew up and the circumstances that he he faced, but also because he has the intrinsic motivation. He wants to be the greatest ever. I know he kind of uh, poo-poos on those Jordan comparisons, but if you don't think that LeBron doesn't want to be in this Jordan conversation, you're kidding yourself, right? He wants to be seen as the greatest ever. And people will say, well, you know, uh, Jordan, the six rings, and you know, he didn't fail in the finals. And that, well, Okay, it's a bunch of crap because at the end of the day, the greatest ever, nobody succeeds 100% of the time in life. Like, that's just not reality. And when you have a guy who has gone to finals after finals, who you put on any NBA roster right now, any single one, they are a title contender. You cannot tell me this guy cannot be in that conversation. 
Absolutely. And I think that's what has separated, separated him from his peers for like the duration of his career is that that burning desire, that want, and because of that why, like you mentioned, like he he's just super smart, right? Everything he does is strategic. His plan to come to LA was strategic. His plan to, you know, target a guy like AD. His plan to hook up with the Rich Paul and Clutch and everything else he's done. It's all been part of a plan. It's all part of him helping him get where he wants to be. And because of that, that's why he's still playing. What is his 18th year now? He's going to be for... He's going to play for two more years in his 20th year. Like, that's just remarkable. And to also play at the highest of levels. Like, he literally just was in the finals. He literally just won a championship, won finals MVP. Like, this is a guy who is still doing it at the highest of levels. And that goes beyond just having an incredible talent or body or anything. It's all part of his, like, desire and how hard he works at it. And I think it's a motivation, like, a motivating thing for a lot of people to see him get where he's gotten and because it's all this type of hard work and planning he's done it's the dedication to excellence right and that's not something that is uh, a foreign concept for us at hoopball and here's the thing hoopball is a great website we all love the content and we love that it exists you wouldn't find the hoopball lakers podcast without it but hoopball needs to keep the lights on so for a few weeks every year we sell stuff and this year the best deal in fantasy is here at hoopball and it's called the fantasy pass it's just 4.99 a month i know you walk into starbucks every day and order a five or six dollar coffee this is five dollars for the whole month and it gets you the entire draft guide the brewski 150 our dfs pass and an all in-season fantasy tools that is nuts just $4.99 for all of that stuff. Cook yourself dinner tonight instead of ordering delivery, and you can afford the Fantasy Pass for half a year. So please just check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall. It always amazes me how reticent some people are to say, ah, you know what? I have a chance to win money. I feel like I can do it on my own, so I'm not going to make a side investment, right? But I am going to walk into Starbucks every day and order a $6 matcha latte that gives me not anything that I need. So that's just sort of my own little soliloquy there and I think you know as we move forward with this Lakers team I'm not going to be surprised when the things start clicking my question is how long will it take because the thing that I keep coming back to with this Lakers group is yes the talent is better yes the team is deeper yes the team is younger but this team this roster is a massive shift away from the team's identity that it was last year. Last year, it was defense, 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 and that's what we all knew about Frank Vogel was defense first. And not to say that we're going to eschew it this year because Frank Vogel has said, look, we still have to be committed to defense. But when you look up and down this roster, the caliber of defenders, right? Montrez Harrell isn't known as a defender necessarily. Dennis Schroeder isn't known as a defender necessarily. You look at the wing in particular, the shooting guard, small forward spot, and you say, ah, they could use a little more defense there. But this is clearly a team that could put up 140 points on the right night. So I ask you, Alex, are you at all concerned about this sort of shift in identity as the roster has been reconstructed? I mean, it's a bit of a concern. I think anytime you win a championship and then you go in you know what looks like a different direction just based on the amount of turnover this roster had it is it is a bit concerning but i i think from frank Vogel's quote so far out of the training camp and everything he's saying this team is still dedicated on defense that's how they have to win defense uh how much we see these players buy in right away that's still like we have to wait to see um last year i thought the biggest thing with this team how good they were is how quickly they kind of clicked like after their loss to the clippers i think they won like 8 out of 9 or 10 games, like, that's just hard to do for what 
effort together. So based on a quick turnaround and, you know, these guys who maybe don't have the best defensive reputations, uh, we have to see how quickly they can gel and how quickly they can kind of recapture that that kind of chemistry and that defensive intensity this team had last year. That is one thing that the Lakers did so well last year was that commitment to defense and and really the commitment to a team culture. Right? Like they, they all bonded. There was basically no drama. Everybody moved in lockstep, more or less. I don't think that's going to change this year. I think LeBron is too strong of a leader. I think AD is too strong of a leader. And I think the Lakers have reassumed or recreated this culture of excellence that everybody sort of buys into. And I, I really liked what Alex Caruso had to say about it when he said, look, you know, I like that we kind of changed it up so people can't just scheme on us like it was just we're running it back from last year. I like that we have some new variables in the mix. And even Palinka himself said, look, when you do something great, the, the, the enemy of, of greatness is complacency. And the Lakers were certainly not complacent this offseason in an effort to upgrade the roster. I feel like this is the most exciting year, which is going to sound weird, right? Because COVID-19 and the season and Kobe passing earlier this year and all of the things, but this is sort of the most exciting year as a Lakers fan that we've had since Kobe was still wearing the purple and gold. It's definitely the most talented roster um, in in quite some time. I can't remember a roster like top to bottom that's been as good as this uh, in terms of star power and what was like the biggest complaint or issue with this team last year? It was like when LeBron or AD sat, like how are they going to win those minutes? Well, they went out and got the six man of the year winner and the runner up, and they somehow got both of them on the same team. Like that's just uh, that's just ridiculous to kind of say out loud in terms of what this team has added. Uh, that's on paper though, right? Like you still have to play the games, you still have to build that chemistry, you still have to work hard, you still have to play defense. So all that could mean nothing if they don't share that same intensity and defensive effort they showed last year but in terms of being excited yeah like i can't think of a season like i'm like we're talking about i'm watching the pre-show right now for this this uh, preseason game i'm really pumped to see dennis shooter to see thg to see trez like there's a lot of new pieces to to add to what to the team that just won the championship that makes it exciting as a fan to kind of tune in and see how all this is going to click There's a great radio host. He also does TV work for the NBA. His name is Casey Stern, also a beloved Mets fan, a long-suffering Mets fan, as we all are. And he has a great line. He says, look, prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. I personally much, 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 much prefer talking about Lakers championships than Lakers draft picks, don't you? Uh, Definitely. And and that's that's coming from someone who loves, like, prospects, like, I watch South Bay Lakers all the time. Like, I want to see Devontae Kaycock. I want to see Taylor Horn Tucker. I love just watching those games. They're totally fun. And there's something great and enticing about a prospect, right? Like, no oh, doubt. this guy could be the next all-star. But no. at the end of the day, like, you play to win championships. I always – and I, I, I think about, like – I don't know if you're familiar with the old Nickelodeon shows at all, but I think of What Would You Do and The Wall of Stuff. Does that reference mean anything to you? <laughs> I, I believe so. Okay. I, I, I mean, it's like going back. I know. I I'm going back to like the Legends, Legends of the Hidden Temple days and all oh, okay. that. Right? Now you're, yeah, now you're talking about language. Okay, yeah. okay. So The Wall of Stuff, right? Like the contestants had a coin and they got to pick which uh, sort of door on the wall that they could pick something out of and it was either something good or something bad. But this idea of a chance at a chance, right? Like I'm really into base 
baseball cards. I love scratch tickets, right? It's a chance at a chance. And I feel like draft picks are similar, right? It's, it's sort of the currency. And I wrote, I wrote about this several years ago when it was becoming a lot more commonplace for teams to emphasize prospects or draft picks or remaining uh, flexible, right? For teams that can't go out and spend, draft picks have become the currency, right? And so this idea of having a chance at a chance is exciting. But ultimately, you have to turn it into something. And the more chances you have, teams know you can't use them all, right? We saw Ainge struggle with his bounty of draft picks for an extended period of time in Boston because everybody knew. He said, look, yeah, you got eight picks, but we know you're not going to pick them all. So we're not going to pay you through the roof for them, right? Now, he's made a lot of good decisions along the way. He's had some missteps, of course, as well. But I think the Lakers realize this and they say, look, we have LeBron and AD together for at least the next few years. We have AD for at least the next four years. We do not anticipate being a lottery team in any of these scenarios. So at worst, we're giving up a draft pick in the in the low to late 20s, right? So this isn't something we don't expect a massive return on investment. And the Lakers really aren't in the player development business, right? There can be pieces and players like Taylor Horton Tucker who do develop within the greater context of something better, but the Lakers aren't in the business of being the Pelicans, right? They don't want to watch Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram struggle, fly, make mistakes, etc. They they want to win. This is what the Lakers have always been about historically, and I think this is a huge sort of shift back to the more familiar. And so I, when I look at teams and like, you know, Sam Presti deserves all the praise, right? Of course, he's he's all about the optionality of things in OKC. And I understand that's how they have to do business. But for teams and organizations that don't have to do business that way, and that certainly includes the Lakers, I feel like it's almost overemphasized to the point where um, maybe we don't need to emphasize it so much. It's sort of like a reverse money ball approach. Do you, you kind of get what I'm going with here? Uh, yeah, I know I do. I definitely do. Like, and we talk about a guy like Sam Presti, and he's got like 20 first round picks coming up in the next 20 years or something like that. But at the end of the day, like how likely, like you obviously want to get as many chances and improve your possibility and probability of getting a star and getting the top picks and those drafts obviously give you a higher percentage of that. But how likely is it out of those 20 draft picks, you're going to get a guy like Anthony Davis, right? Like, so when a guy like that comes on the market, that's when you strike. And that's what the Lakers did. They didn't wait around like, hey, we got these three prospects in eight in Lonzo, Ingram, Hart, and whatever first rounders. Those first rounders don't mean anything to the Lakers because, like you said, if barring any injuries, knock on wood, this team's not going to be bad enough for those first round picks to ever equate to a probability that you're going to get a good player at that point of the draft, right? Right. And like pick swaps, like those, we talk about pick swaps, you're, the Lakers are still getting a pick. It's just not as good of a pick as the Pelicans, which doesn't really matter for the Lakers, especially with this scouting department. They have already proven they can pick up a guy like Caruso undrafted and like identify these gems in the market who either are undervalued for either being an upperclassman or redshirt freshman or whatever, and make him into a role player. They got a guy like THG in the second round. And in a lot of mock drafts, he was lottery. He was a lottery uh, projected type player, but for a lot of reasons, didn't go there. So they have a reputation of making the most of the resources they do have. And like you said, they're in this huge market. They should operate like a team who isn't a huge market. And like uh, just comparing it to Boston, Danny H, like he hasn't really pulled the trigger on those picks or their young guys yet. And that's why he gets kind of made fun of all the time. Like you have to take the advantages you do have and use them again making the parallels of the dodgers like andrew friedman goes out and trades for the big players and he also does the money ball approach you have to kind of 
take the advantages you do have and utilize them or else why are you in a big market right totally i mean you have to you have to continue to explore those market inefficiencies and in the lakers context right having lebron and ad on your roster that is a market i mean it's it's an inefficiency because there's there is no comp there is no comp for that i will take lebron and ad as a, a two man combo against any other that currently exists in the NBA because I feel that in a seven game set there's nobody I'd bet against let, let LeBron let alone LeBron with AD. So I feel like the Lakers are in good position. They understand sort of where they are organizationally uh, both in terms of the present and the future. And before we get out of here, I have to ask you, right? Whether I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So whether it's a sizzling take, a tepid take, something you want to label as a cold take, whatever it might be, give me a prediction or something that you foresee for the Lakers this upcoming season that nobody is talking about. Oh, that nobody's talking about. Let's see. Because people talk about the Lakers a lot. Like, I, know, I know you're this aware is a, that you I talk know, about the Lakers. A lot. I know. I know the Lakers are, are a semi-popular topic. He's talking about. Huh. You know what? I think Kuz is going to have a good year. Okay. There we go. I don't know how hot of a take that is. I think he's going to. It's contract year. He can't afford to have a bad year. But also, he can't. He's. I I know we like to joke about Kuz, about like his tweets and all that stuff. But I think he's he's hardworking. I think that's something that has been a skill of his since he entered the league. He is hardworking. You ask any of his teammates. Any of his coaches, that's always been something they always praise about him is his hard work ethic. So I think he's also aware of what gets him on the floor. He needs to be on the floor to make money. And I think he's going to prove to be a capable defender. And I think he's going to his three-point shot percentage is going to improve this year. I think it's going to round back toward a little closer to his rookie year. I think that's my warmish take. What I, about you? I think that's a. I think that's more than a warm take, right? A lot of people are sort of poo-pooing on on Kuzma and saying that you know he's not uh, he's he's not the player he's cracked up to be by some. So I think that's a more than warm take. I, I'll give you my take. I think that Dennis Schroeder will be the starting point guard for this Lakers team. Now I know that's not exactly a sizzling take, but what I will say is I think Alex Caruso will be the closing point guard for this Lakers team. So that's that's where I'm kind of splitting the difference there. I know LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands plenty, but at the end of the day, I think they're going to need Alex Caruso's commitment to defense, especially on the perimeter, in order to close out some of those tight games. And the reality is they're going to have to rely on some of those younger guys to not carry the torch, but to help sort of drag the ship forward, right? Because it is going to be an expedited schedule. It is going to be an expedited time. And ultimately, every team that plays the Lakers is going to be coming with their best effort because this is a team that won the title. And whenever you have that, you've always got the bullseye on your back. My other prediction, and this is sort of a a, a side prediction, we'll call it. At some point, some way, I think Wesley Matthews finds his way into the starting lineup. I'm not saying KCP gets benched. But I'm saying at some point, in some way, I feel like Wesley Matthews finds his way into the starting lineup because, A, of his ability to space the floor, but B, I really think that he could defend the opposing team's best player and take that pressure off LeBron to start games. See, I could definitely see that in the playoffs. Like, you know how Frank Vogel just kind of, like, interchanged his lineup every playoff game, it seemed like? Like, Oh, you mean like you just started Dwight Howard out of thin air? Yeah. Um. And I can see a potential lineup where it's KCP and uh, Wesley Matthews, and yes. LeBron is just like the nominal point guard. Yes, that's so, where I'm going. Yeah, so I can. Def- I thought actually that was what the starting lineup was going to be from the onset, honestly, uh, before the Dennis Shooter news came. But 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I think you're right about the Caruso, Dennis Shooter, who closes, who starts thing. I, it will be interesting to see at the end of the year how many more games who, like, which one of those guys closed more games for the Lakers. Because we've seen already Caruso, Mark, Keith Morris, LeBron, AD, and KCP, that lineup could win a championship. So it's going to be hard to kind of just deviate from that if we already saw it worked, right? So I, it's going to be interesting to see how much Frank Vogel trust these new guys versus the guys we've already seen like do it i think that's just gonna be the biggest kind of thing i'm looking for as educators both of us we have to give a shout out to the substitute science teacher aka alex caruso you can't tell me he doesn't look like a seventh grade <laughs> sub science teacher right i mean come on man he looks like half of my faculty does like, right i mean it's 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 almost scary it's scary how on point it is Alex, I appreciate you jumping on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. As a reminder to all of our listeners, you can follow Alex on Twitter at AlexMRegla. You got to subscribe to his newsletter. Please take some time to check out that THT piece from him. It is well worth the read, and we look forward to having him back next time, assuming he agrees to join us. Alex, I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you come back for us? Of course, man. I love this. Thank you for having me on. Um, our pleasure. My pleasure. I look forward to it. Of course, you can follow the show at Hoopball Lakers. Find pods wherever they are streaming at your streaming pleasure. And if you want to follow me for some debauchery, some Lakers takes, and the occasional educational stance, you can follow me at Ethan underscore Noroff. The good thing about Alex and myself both, we embrace all conversations, especially with fellow media members. No Kyrie Irvings here, okay? Until next time, the Hoopball Lakers pod. Enjoy the preseason. We out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.